All right, boys, Tucker Carlson on the pod. This is a big one. Before we get into it, you guys got to download the Prize Picks app. If you guys love the fire on sports like me, try this app. It's so different. Instead of betting on teams, you're betting on individual players. Each player has a set projection, then you either choose more or less than that set projection. Put a bunch of picks together, fire on that. Use code NELK. It's going to get you a 100% deposit bonus. So if you put $100, they're going to match that $100. It's free money, boys. It's also available in 70% of the United States, Cali, Texas, Florida. Download the prize picks app. Try it out. Trust me, it's really, really fun to fire on. Use code NELK. It's getting the fun. All right, guys, we got a really, really good episode today. We got Tucker Carlson. Uh, we're really, really pumped for this one. I know you guys are going to love it. Before we get into the pod, uh, every week we're going to be shouting out bars and restaurants that carry Happy Dad. So if you're a bar that carries Happy Dad, uh, make sure you tag us on Instagram at Happy Dad. I'm literally looking through the mentions right now. We got the Sugar Factory in Miami, Florida, Backyard in Dallas, Texas. We got Broadway Brew House in Nashville, and we got Rick's Bar in Key West. Um, so yeah, like I said, if you're a bar carrying Happy Dad, tag us on Happy Dad Instagram. We're going to be shouting out bars. And if you guys want to find Happy Dad, go to happydad.com slash find. Pop in your zip code. Bang, you're going to find Happy Dad. And uh, let's get into the pod. This is our most ghetto setup ever. Four to five. How's it going, Tucker? How are you? How are oh, you? you guys are so nice to come all this way. You. Thank, Thank you for doing Thanks, that. Tucker, I love Tucker, it. We're you, Good morning. You got me to take a shower before... Four in the afternoon. How dope of a podcast is this? This is insane. Do you know these guys? Yeah, the Nelk Boys, Kyle. Come Gage. on, dude. Yeah. Uh, no you guys want to go inside? Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. See ya. Oh, dude. It's not quite the home studio, but I love it. I'm happy with Happy Dad or Seltzer. What do you think the people got to do differently? In Kannada? Yeah. Pronounce the name of the country correctly, you know? <laughs> Pronounce the name of the country correctly. I mean, that's like one of the huge... Pro- it's like, I can't take you seriously if you call it Canada. Yeah. It's Kannada. They mispronounce the name of their own capital. Most... We used to, do, used to do a quiz show on our show, and if it was a tie, we would ask the obvious question, which is, what's the capital of Canada? And I swear half the people didn't get it right. They'd be like, uh, Toronto? It's like, no. And I can't actually remember that. Ottawa. Ottawa. So <laughs> I pronounced it correctly as Ottawa. And of course, the beauty about making fun of Canada is any joke about Canada just becomes huge in Canada because like, oh, they're talking about us. We're actually, we're on their mind. They care. And so there was all this like, oh, they can't even pronounce our capital correctly. And this First Nations guy it's like, no, actually, sorry, white Canada, but it, it really is pronounced Ottawa. Like, that's the Ojibwa pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> and you've been doing it wrong for 300 years. And they're like, ooh, the First Nations criticized? Sorry. Dude. <laughs> so great. I need you to have my back when I'm going against the Canadians. You chirp them so well. No, but. Because half our company, we have like a lot of Canadians and a lot of Americans. Yeah. Because we started in Canada. I know. And then we moved here. Obviously, but uh, but that's the yeah. sad part. It's like everybody with testosterone is like, you guys are great, but I'm leaving. You know, yeah, it's sad. I mean, as a business, there's not much opportunity there after a certain point, right? You got to no. move to the states if you wanna if you wanna so create. You want to get business. rich in the United States and then buy like a huge tract of land in northern Quebec. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't know about Quebec, 
See, everyone I'll rip on, hates Quebec. I'll but, rip on Quebec with you too. No, I, it's my favorite province. Oh, really? Eh? Why? Yeah, maybe that's the issue then, right? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because the French, super annoying, obviously impossible to Rude. deal with. <laughs> oh, you must speak our language. Your language? Nobody speaks your language. Like nobody cares about French anymore. It's no longer the lingua franca. It's like you're an empire, not only in decline, but it's vanished. You're Rome. Like you don't exist. Okay. So there's that. But the good news about the French is they actually have, what do they call it? Self-respect. Like they actually think they have something worth preserving. That's why they're so silly about their language. Oh, you must say it in French. Like subtitles in ink. The whole thing is insane. But it suggests that they really care on some level. Like they're not bitches. Like a lot of, no offense, a lot of the Anglos in Canada are like, okay, you can invade us. Yeah. The French are like, no, we're French. Like, you can only invade us if you speak French. Yeah. And I just like that. I agree. And they're they're like, again, they're hard to deal with, but they have balls. I've flown all through the maritime. You know, I fish, <laughs> so I've flown in little planes all around Where'd Canada. Where'd you go? Newfoundland? Yeah, in Labrador, you know, in northern Ontario, and a bunch of your states, which I think are called provinces. Mm-hmm. I don't participate in that. But um, <laughs> with your kilometers and millimeters <laughs> and like oh this is a fake measure i can't even measure anything it's like whatever no those are pounds and miles but whatever but i've flown all over in these little planes very sketchy planes and if you get an anglo pilot like i can't fly today because the weather hey you know the weather and french pilots are like tossing the cigarette out the window throwing on the scarf they're like we are not afraid of the weather <laughs> so the, the weather, weather is transitory here today gone tomorrow but we the French Persevere. are more like alpha. They're alpha in their weird kind of like ass backwards French way. Yeah. Like in the French mind, everything is inverted. It's like in a dyslexic culture, they see everything backwards. <laughs> yeah. So like the most famous, you know, the most famous French quote from de Gaulle, which may or may not be true, who was, of course, the president of France was, we know it works in practice. The question is, does it work in theory? Hmm. That's like how the French think. So- I'm kind of turned on by that. Yeah. And no, I, I do like, that. so I defend the frogs every time I go to your country. No, but I think you would have, I think outside the major cities where it's super liberal, <laughs> like now it's, it's kind of like people are very against what's going on too. Like if you go outside the major cities, it's like, not even liberal. So I, I totally disagree. If I can just as an outsider, like sometimes people from, I mean, I place, mean like opposing what had the way COVID yeah, was but handled they don't mean and stuff. It. Like if you show up and you're like, Oh, well, you saw that whole truck. You took freedom your wife's last shit. name. Like, no, do they do like, that there? Oh, t- the whole country is like. Oh my god! Bro, all right, now now it's oh going too my god. far. No, 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 I'm serious. Far. Like that's that's what it is. It's been ama- all the dudes have been emasculated by feminist theory. So, but if you you would me, never do something like that, he, would you do that? Take my wife's last name if that was one condition. I, mean, I don't think so. <laughs> what do you mean you don't think so? The you answer is not. I would die first, and she would hate <laughs> me if I did that. And you're right. So if you actually go to Canada and you're like, guys. Guys, that's you bad. don't have to live like this. Like, you took your wife's last name? Why is that even a who, thing? Who do you know that did yeah. that? The whole country. It, it's like a metaphor for Canada. It's like... I don't know one person that's done that. Yeah, but they all have. Whether they have publicly <laughs> or they just have in some kind of private internal arrangement. Like, they've turned the country over to, you know... <laughs> they, they've abdicated their responsibility as men. You know that. I can't have a gun. I don't trust myself with a gun. What? Yeah. You don't trust. No, no. I don't trust you with a gun. Mm-hmm. I trust me with a gun. Mm-hmm. And I use that to defend my family. If you have your wife's last name, you can't have a gun. Oh, of course you can't have 
a gun and you shouldn't. Yeah. And they know that. Like they, on some level, they know they've been naughty and silly. And if you just were to, if you were to go to a coffee shop in downtown Toronto and say to the men there, you know, cut off your little ponytail, shave and like be a man. <laughs> they'd be like, you know, I hate you for saying that, but you're right. It would be like an intervention. Yeah. Like no one wants to hear that they've taken the wrong path. Something must have happened to you in Canada. Nothing there, happened. Like you got some, someone, get, you got someone, some, someone pissed you off. I did get detained in Canada in 1988. True. What true for? Um, for possessing drugs that I did not possess. I, I drove a van, a, a Volkswagen van into Canada from Vermont with a buddy of mine, and we both had long hair. Marijuana? Well, I had no drugs in the van. Oh. I had no drugs at all. You don't want to bring drugs into Canada. Right. That's like I know that. Joke. I know are like, totally cool until you deal with Canadian law enforcement. Right. In which case, they're like all trained in Germany. You know, it's like they're really... T- have you noticed that? <laughs> it's strict at the it's border. It's so strict. It's strict. American cops are like, hey, man. Canadian cops are like, bring out the nightstick. It's like, whoa, I thought this was a polite country. Yeah, until you deal with the cops. And we got detained for a day in Canada while they searched our van. Really? Yes. But and they didn't I, find anything. We had nothing in it. Just like beer cans. It was just kids. You long know? hair in the bus, probably. Yeah, we had long hair and we were driving That's a microbus. And yeah. they were like, ooh, drugs. And so that was 1988. And I know it was 1988 because I flew into Toronto. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Toronto? Yeah. Toronto? I flew into <laughs> Toronto, the effective capital of Canada, years later. And I got pulled out of line at the Pearson International Airport. And they're like, come with me, Mr. Carlson. And I was like, Yeah. And they're like, do you know a man called Neil Patel, who was my college roommate, still my best friend, godfather of my first child, who I was meeting in Toronto. And they're like, were you ever arrested in Canada? And I was like, no, I'm a totally law abiding, sober person. And they're like, what about January 12th, 1988? And they had it in the records because there's not wow. a lot going on there. So they keep very detailed records of the things that do happen. Uh-huh. Um, and they knew. Wow, that's Isn't wild. That freaky. Wait, yeah. what, what was the charge you had before? There was no charge. You didn't get a charge. That's why it's they crazy. They pulled our, a van into a warehouse right over the border from Vermont. And they were like, do you mind if we take your van apart? Okay. Yeah. I know we don't let any people in with DUIs, too. But you let people I think in. Ever, Even like I feel like ever, terror attacks in Somalia, you're like, oh, come on in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you had a DUI in New York State in 1974 <laughs> and you can't come in? You haven't had a COVID test? Oh, but you're in Al Qaeda? Fuck yeah, man. Come on in. You'll enrich our culture. <laughs> no, I it's crazy what's going on there. I agree. I can't even say anything back because I, it's like No, but we should yeah. but we shouldn't put up with it. That's the thing. Like, if you love Canada and the measure of your love is not like, oh, I've got flowery things to say about your country. Like, you're so great. You're so great. Do you guys have kids? No. Nah. I've got a lot of kids. And if you love your kids. Your 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 position isn't always you're so great. Your position is I care about you. I want you to be better. No, you can't do that. Here's what you should do. You're the dad, right? Mm-hmm. You'll find out when you reproduce, which I hope you do soon. And that's how I approach Canada. I'm like a loving but angry dad. Yeah. Like don't do the guys. Hey, hey, come into it. No, you can't do that. You can't knock. Hey, you knock it off. That's how I feel about Canada. Not Calgary, but a lot of other parts of Canada. Yeah. Like, hey, Nova Scotia, you're better than that. Yeah. Right? So it sounds like they need someone that's going to put their foot down. They need dad. Yeah. They need dad. And instead they have this weird what do you, what do you cross-dressing think it, what, why do you, prime minister. What do you think it is? Like, for real? 
honestly, I think it's a it's a failure of will. They've just like given up the will to live. They're like, oh, I guess I should commit suicide now because my health care costs are too high. It's like, no, no, no. The will to live, which is, to be blunt, intimately connected with the sex drive, the will to create, to reproduce, to continue the species, to tell the world I am here, I matter. Like that's the essential force in the universe, okay? And if that dies in a culture, people become bitches and they're like, okay, it's my duty to commit suicide. It's like, you know, you've lost it. And it's almost like mass hypnosis. It's like the whole country has fallen under the spell and they just need someone to show up and it wouldn't be hard. You wouldn't need an army to take over Canada. You just need like a megaphone and some pillows and you'd beat them in a pillow fight and just be like, no, 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 dad's home. Hey, knock it off. And you, hey, listen up. You did that for like three days in downtown Ottawa and the whole country would be like, oh my God, I can't believe that we were under this spell where we thought our whole purpose in life was to like buy shit on Amazon and then kill ourselves at the end. That's not your purpose, okay? Your purpose is to create and reproduce. Mm. Wow. Well, that great well, introduction I'm, I'm gonna for Canada. Fucking, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm, I'm gonna so be glad you from get, Canada came here. Now, no, you're so, not. Thank no, you're you. not. Because you're not. That's the thing is that people need more than mindless affirmation of what they're doing wrong. Like they know you're lying. If your parent, if you went completely off the deep end and started smoking meth and your parents call you up and they're like, you know, we're really proud of you. You'd be like, you're not proud of me. What I'm doing is degrading and horrible. And like a true parent will say to you, no, that's not the right way. This is the right way. And you'd be like, you know what? I'm grateful. You love me enough to tell me the truth. No, I agree. I know. Yeah, yeah. it is. Fucked. Canadians want boundaries and they want to hear the truth about mm. themselves. They do. I'm serious. Well, people hate Justin Trudeau there too. Yeah. If you go to like Alberta or Calgary, like yeah. you see hockey jerseys with like fuck Trudeau. Yeah. Like signs on trucks. It's like, it's like real hate. What do but, you think about him? Well, he's grotesque. I mean, he's, it, he's not even like, a, he's like Joe Biden. He's not even, I'm not mad at Justin Trudeau or whatever we're calling him. He's not even a real person. He's like a living metaphor, like our president. He is a repository for this weird, it's not even left or right, Democrat or Republican. It's so much bigger than that. It's this weird, techno-based, anti-human politics whose main message is you don't matter. Your life doesn't matter at all. Mm -hmm. And what matters instead is like obeying the people who are actually in charge, which is not heads of state, right? It's huge companies honestly yeah it's huge companies and and that's just like who's the prime minister of england do you even know no we've had like nine in the past month no boris is gone oh right exactly that's some woman right a hundred years ago england was the most powerful country in the world largest empire in human history and now it's like who's the prime minister again it doesn't matter they'll get another one next month these things no longer we're looking at it the wrong way what matters is the ideas and who's propagating them and it's a it's an international group of companies and rich people and justin trudeau is just a vessel for their ambitions mm -hmm. he doesn't believe anything justin trudeau if he thought you know it would be advantageous to him to push nazism or marxism it doesn't even matter like none of these things are real it's just about control yeah and the way you control people is by convincing them this is like your classic kind of alcoholic parent thing convincing them that they're worthless and they don't deserve better. Like, shut up. Who cares what you think? We don't want to hear what you have to say. Right. Your ambitions to like make enough money to send your kids to summer camp or retire happily. 
Like that's irrelevant. Like shut up. You don't deserve it. Go kill yourself. <laughs> and so they they break people's spirits. So I'm telling the truth, and I can tell that you know that I am. He's from Canada too, right? You know, but this happening in the United <laughs> States too. I'm not just singling out Canada here at all. It's happening all over the West in every English-speaking country, Australia, New Zealand. Mm. These were real countries like five years ago. They're not anymore. Yeah. And the people have been broken. Their spirit has been broken. And if you watch this, you're like, why would Australians allow their government to put people in concentration camps, which they did? That's real. They were even more pussy than Canadians. Completely. And like, where's the Australian spirit? Like wrestling alligators? Isn't this a country of ex-cons? It was a penal colony. Like, where's their spirit? Well, it's gone. It's totally broken, you know? Yeah. So. I guess this is a crazy transition, but going off like the masculinity thing, you recently talked about how Andrew Tate is a, it was a setup. Oh, you think? No, I just want to hear (laughs) what you're, I think so too, but I want to hear your whole synopsis on it. At some point, so, so Andrew Tate, who I'm not, you know, an intimate friend of or anything, I've talked to him. You had him on the show, right? I had him on the show. Yeah. Yeah. For like 40 minutes. And then I, uh, and I've talked to him just personal offline once or twice, twice. Um, he's first of all, he's really smart. Mm-hmm. Like that's completely real. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I'm almost 54. So I'm really old. So there are parts of what he says that are like so far out of my world or context or experience that like, Oh, as you get older, you're like, I'm not exactly sure what, this like means only, like only fans and shit right right i was like what only, you know yeah. that whole uh, you know <laughs> so there's a lot i would say it i'm I mean, just being honest there's a, some that i miss yeah about andrew tate but the spirit that animates andrew tate is very clear and very obvious and it's not a malicious spirit at all andrew tate's core message is respect yourself act like you're worth something achieve something do something get the fuck off the couch put down the porn mm-hmm. like go do something with your life you're given this amazing thing your life and what are you going to do with it? And I feel like that's the greatest message that anyone could give. And I mean, that's how I read Andrew Tate's message. So of course, it just tells you everything about the people in charge that that's threatening. How is that threatening? Yeah. That's self-improvement. Now you may not agree with or understand some things that Tate says, which is where I am. Like what? But the that's not the point. The point is, what is he underneath it all? What is he saying? He's saying, respect yourself. You are worthy of respect. Live in a way where others will respect you. That is the most needed message anyone can hear. So, of course, they have to figure out a way, but why would they want to? It tells you everything about the people. So, I'll say, the most interesting thing about Andrew Tate is not Andrew Tate. It's the reaction to Andrew Tate. Why is that bad? I have a son. If someone told my son, respect yourself, be worthy of respect, get up early, exercise, achieve something, I'd be like, thank you. I mean, that's the message I give my son anyway, because I'm a father. So the interesting thing about Tate is that is considered threatening. Why would that be threatening? Right. Because you don't want an independent, self-respecting population in your country. That's why. And so they've like, oh, Andrew Tate's a sexual harasser. The same people who, you know, were on Pedo Island with Epstein, the same people who are friends with Harvey Weinstein are like, oh, we're protecting women. Really? You, you think I always try to understand this, though. Where does that come from? Because that's such a high level thing. Like, let's destroy a guy that's trying to like, I feel like it's improved society. Like, because where he's you, because his he's, influence is too powerful. No, but I'm saying who like what group? Like, where does that come from? So I would say, you know, in the, in the short answer is I don't know. Yeah. OK. But all I know is what I read and see. And it's from what I can tell, 
on the basis of my limited knowledge, this is a conspiracy of like-minded instincts. It's not that every douchebag in the world has a conference call every morning to decide how we can suppress the human spirit, but all of them have the same reaction to Andrew Tate. It's like, oh, he's speaking to young men and he's telling them, stop being passive, do something impressive with your life, act, act, not to overthrow the government, but just be a man. Yeah. And that is so threatening to them that, and I'm talking about the media, heads of state, which are the two main players in this ongoing effort to suppress and degrade and to kill the spirit of the population, that they act effectively as one. They do. And I'm sure that there's, well, there's very clearly coordination among different elements of this group, but the people who are benefiting from the way our society, not just in the United States or Canada, but throughout the West is organized. The people who are the beneficiaries of that, all the people with bullshit jobs who work at NBC News or some stupid <laughs> nonprofit that's do the Atlantic, Atlantic Council. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. All people whose jobs are effectively unjustifiable. Like, what are you doing exactly to make this a better, freer, more prosperous society. Oh, they have no answer because they're not doing anything. They're doing the opposite. All of those people see Andrew Tate and they're like, that guy has to shut up. Mm -hmm. So they make this completely fake video about how he raped some woman who turns out to be his girlfriend who goes on camera to say, no, I, I love Andrew Tate. So the victim in the crime <laughs> endorses the supposed perpetrator like it's bullshit by definition, right? Mm hmm. He raped you. No, he didn't. He's my boyfriend. I love him. Yeah. Okay. So you know that the people who are opposing Tate are acting out of malice and in a dishonest way. And that's kind of all you need to know. And then all of a sudden he winds up in a Romanian jail for months on no charges. Yeah. What? And you can't get anybody to menstruate because, oh, he's a misogynist. A misogynist? Really? A, mis a misogynist? We live in a world where the people who run everything were friends with both Epstein and Harvey Weinstein and are endorsing the idea that women don't exist as a group. I can just show up and be like, I'm a woman now. I have the lived experience of a woman. I've never menstruated. I've never had a baby. I have no female organs. I don't have female DNA. I don't have a female brain, but I'm a woman. What are you saying when you endorse that idea? You're saying that women literally don't exist. It's not an actual category. Mm -hmm. Anybody can choose to be that. Yeah. If I have a club and there's no membership requirement, anyone can go. It's not really a club. is it? It's a public park. Right. That's what they're saying about women. Mm -hmm. You just are if you say you are. And those people are giving us a lecture about misogyny. Yeah. <laughs> I call bullshit. Yeah. Sorry. It's funny. So, you so but, but how do they say? I like women, actually, because they're totally different. I don't understand like 80% of what they say. I don't need to. I'm married to one for 32 years. I have three daughters. I think they're like fascinating. And interesting because they're so different. I listen super carefully to what they say. What's the biggest thing you've learned in your marriage about women? That they're amazing. That they are. That they complement us. So your average young man looks at women, if we're being totally honest, and is like, they're dumb. They're easy to fool. Like I can talk them into sleeping with me. And like men get this attitude. Like women are dumb. And the reason they feel that way is because women have a completely different way of seeing the world that's innate. It's inherent. Their brains are different, measurably, which is why I hate the trans thing, because it's pretending that some guy with a male brain who's not at all in any sense a woman can become a woman with plastic surgery. No, it's an insult to the complexity and the mystery of women, which if you're you know, in a long-term marriage, you really confront it on a daily basis. 
what you learn when you get married and you like decide like, no, no, I'm staying with you. I'm helping you raise your children. I'm going to die next to you. Like you really make the commitment and you, you can't get out of it. Then you're forced to confront who women really are and you learn they're amazing. They think things that you, yeah, they're not interested in the same kind of theoretical bullshit your average man is. They're not going to sit around and dip Copenhagen and like <laughs> theorize about, well, the world is, the, you know, they're not going to come up with a unified theory of everything in the way that you guys do when you smoke weed. <laughs> but they have all kinds of other like crazy insights into people. They force you to think about the world in a really different and really important way. And it takes a long time to learn that. And your average man who's in a relationship long-term with a woman, married or not, has a moment where he's like, I don't understand what she's saying. This is freaking me out. She's crazy. I'm leaving. And whether it's leaving, like, just taking off with your buddies or leaving for good, men can't deal with it because they don't understand it. But if you're forced to stay there over the long term, if you decide to stay there over the long term, you realize, no, she's not, I mean, maybe a little crazy, <laughs> but a little crazy in a way that's great. It's yeah. like so fascinating. It's unbelievable. Why do you see it that way? Because my brain's totally different from yours. And then you realize even longer term, like I really needed to hear that. I needed to learn that. So the things you learn for, from women are not like how you can be more like a woman. Like that's like, you know, the thing like women make you more sensitive. Not really. In a happy relationship, you don't become more feminine when you live with a woman. You just become wiser. How um, is married life? I was like living here. What do you do on like a daily oh, man, basis I've, when you're not working? I've really enjoyed it. You know, so nice. Yeah, I, I have enjoyed it. Um, what's my daily routine like? Yeah, like, what so are you doing? You're not working. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Well, let's hear it. Um, you know, I'm not an early riser, so I usually get up around seven thirty or eight. We have four dogs, spaniels, hunting dogs. I hunt. I bird hunt. So we have hunting dogs who we really love, and all four of them sleep in the bed. My four children are grown, so I usually get up, get a cup of coffee, get back in bed with my wife and all four dogs till like 10 in the morning. And I'll kind of bang out texts for the show or whatever. Um, and then, you know, I spend a lot of the day thinking about the show, texting with producers about the show, what we're going to do, who we should book as guests. And then I start thinking about the script I have to write that night. Then... I'll hang around with my wife, go out to lunch with somebody. Then I'll come back in the afternoon. I take a sauna every day, 365 days a year. Sauna sweet. Yeah. It's really great. hot sauna. Yeah. Um, like 200 degrees. And I'm in that for 15 minutes in total silence. And that is just a recentering for me. Super important to, oh, be, yeah. to be quiet. Mm. And the heat, I think, well, you're Canadian, you know, that's Canadian is like saunas, which I do love. <laughs> and, um, and I'm not going to in any way endorse, we know you're big endorse a product. A little I don't know what this is. It's just someone put it in my pocket. Little Zimbabwe? <laughs> <laughs> so good, dude. So good. There's this guy on TikTok called Freezer Tarps, and he thinks of all these like names for Zin. Zimbabwe. Like a little, a little Zinachino. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the guy? This guy named Freezer Tarps on TikTok. I'll, I'll send it to you. I've never been on TikTok. but I. <laughs> what got you into the Zins? Uh, I, what got me into the Zins? I mean, a lot, I started smoking and... little and, Tempur-Pedic lip pillow? <laughs> <laughs> so good, dude. <laughs> I started smoking when I was a kid in 1983, 40 years ago, actually, um, when I was 13. And I just, I smoked until I was 45, which is probably too long. Yeah. You know, um, but I really enjoyed nicotine. 
so much. It's just added a lot to my life. And then I also dipped. I love dipping. And but at a certain point, I turned fifty. I was when I turned fifty. Was when I was fifty. I was like, can't dip. Like the dentist is against it. Girls don't like it actually. Even if they they love do sometimes. Food. You know, I've never met. I actually that's not true. I was on a fishing trip in uh, in Idaho, in Sun Valley, Idaho, and I had dinner at a restaurant there called the Pioneer, the Pio, with this with my fishing guide and his wife was very pretty. Threw in a dip of Copenhagen after the meal. It was one of the coolest things. Pretty hot. Long cut or a pouch? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was snuff. Oh, my God. Snuff. Like the fine cut, which is what I She was like a good looking woman. Oh, she's snapping the tin at the table. Oh, she was really pretty. She's like. Pretty dope. (laughs) Takes it, throws in a dip. Wow. Wow. That's pretty cool. In general, anyway, so a boy that one of my daughters was dating um, New Year's 2020 was at my house and he th- pulls this out. I'm like, what is that? He goes, it's the future. It's the future. It's a non-tobacco nicotine delivery device where you get all the whole grain goodness of nicotine, but none of the downside, none of the carcinogens. And I was like, I think I'm all in. So we drove to 7-Eleven and I stocked up. I get all the different flavors, coffee. They have a lot of intriguing flavors, I would say, but I stuck was Spearman and it's been a massive life enhancer. I'd really recommend it to you. It's it's just funny how like many people like audience and probably yours too just will get behind you just because of that. And well, absolutely love you. It, it, can I just say it, our audience probably throws in Zen bombs like crazy. Don't get me going. So I use it, you know, every second I'm awake and in and in bed. I'm not embarrassed of it. You sleep with one in or no? I don't because I don't want to choke on it. But mm-hmm. seconds I read in bed. So seconds before I fall asleep I take it out. I've never had one of my dogs eat a Zin pouch, though I'm not against it, Um, because I think they would like it. But I'm not (laughs) embarrassed of it at all. And what I find so interesting, back to my, and I don't want to like reveal myself as a crackpot on your show, but I think the hostility to to nicotine is really telling. I mean, obviously, cigarette smoking can be bad for you. It's not bad for everybody, but over time, it can hurt you for sure. I've had loved ones, you know, die from it. So I get it. But nicotine is not a carcinogen, actually. There are all kinds of medical benefits of it, which are documented. It increases mental acuity, raises your testosterone level. It may be a prophylactic against Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. So, like, what, what's the problem? Before we forget, we, I want to bring this up real quick, because I was told that we were told that you don't have a TV in your house. No. What's the reasoning behind that? It's too loud. So you watch no TV? I don't watch any TV. I never have. It's loud at, like. There's someone in, I like people. We always have, we have house guests right now. I love having, that's why we're not in my house. Um, So I love people, but I want to be able to invite people to my house. I don't want random showing up and yelling at me in my house. And TV is like inviting some random person from the subway into your living room. And I just don't want them there. I don't want to be, you know, exclusionary or a dick or anything. But like, if you're on some cable channel, like, you know, it's like, Maybe my neighbors want to invite you over, but I don't. Have you what about ha- for like Netflix or like anything like that? I just, I mean, if I'm being totally honest, I'm very dyslexic, which is like you see things a little bit differently and video is very hard for me. I feel overwhelmed by it. I'm like, I see a video. The only video I ever watch in my entire life is on my show when we throw to a sound bite and it's in a screen right in front of me. And sometimes... And I've never seen any, but I have the verb, you know, the verbate, the transcript of the video. So I know what it says. And I'll like when I'm writing the script, I'll write against that. Like someone will say this and then I'll come out and I'll write against it. But I've never seen it. 
So I'm seeing it cold five nights a week. And the video is so mesmerizing to me. I'm like a dog because I don't watch any video that I see it. And I'm like, that just makes me too emotional. I'm I'm not a sensitive person in a conventional sense, but I'm way too sensitive to watch any video. So like one of my daughters was watching a show. It was like brilliant, but dark called White Lotus. Yeah, it's super popular. Yeah, so I'd never heard of it. So she was home for Christmas, and she's like watching that, you know, on her iPad or whatever in the living room. And I come in, I'm just talking to her, and I start watching this for like 10 minutes. And I'm like, I feel like I want to shoot myself. That's like the darkest thing I've ever seen in my life. It was too real. The people were like horrible. And they're all from the world that I live in, which is like, you know, affluent 50-year-olds like in charge. And like, I hated every person on the video. And I said to my daughter, how can you watch that? It affected my sleep. Wow. I don't want those people in my living room. That's really how I feel about it. What about like, um, have you ever had a crazy confrontation in public? Well, yeah. Like what's the, <laughs> what's the craziest one you've ever experienced? <laughs> oh, I've had quite a few. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're at a huge disadvantage if you're me because everybody now has a video recorder on their phone. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, extreme i'm a serious dick and i try to keep it under control yeah because it's unattractive (laughs) it doesn't achieve anything you just reveal like your ugliest side do you know what i mean oh yeah oh yeah you know yeah and and i think it can be helpful i'm not afraid of a confrontation obviously but then you don't really want to be on video being your ugliest self because you could be nice to 50 people but if they just get you once on that 100 percent. so like i was at dinner not that long ago i don't go out to dinner a ton but i was at dinner with my fishing guide, actually, and his son. And these ladies in the restaurant are like, you're a sexist. And I had a, a number of responses. They're sitting right behind me. And I was like, so I whipped around and I said, settle down, honey. <laughs> honey! And I almost said something. And my fishing guide son's like, they have a video camera. I don't have great eyesight at a distance in the dark because I'm 53. They have a video camera. They're videotaping you. So I just sit there and just eat it. Yeah. That's the that's the better way. I mean, first of all, you shouldn't assault people in restaurants. If Satan was at the next booth in a restaurant, like I wouldn't say word one because Satan gets to eat too. Yeah. Do you know course. what I mean? Like yeah. the idea of confronting someone in public is so far out of anything I would ever do. I don't care who it is. So you how get long, to eat in public in, you know, in my world. How long did you sit there while this lady was just bashing you? Well, once I whipped back around, so they were right behind me. I whipped around and I I was like, you know, because I'm very easily incited. It doesn't take a lot to yeah. like whip me into a total like, fuck you, <laughs> say something really nasty, which I shouldn't do. Like, I should not be that way, <clears throat> but I am that way. That's just like who I am. Yeah. And this chick like could maybe could feel that I'm very easily triggered. <laughs> and I think she was baiting me, um, which, again, is like the easiest thing to do in the world. Yeah. Well, you kept your cool, though. Like if you take a piece of hamburger and show it to a dog. Yeah. Like, the dog's going to eat it. Yeah, yeah. That's who I am. You call me a name? <laughs> so, so, um, but this kid, my guide's son, who was like 16, uh, calmed me down. And that's the way to handle it. Just ignore it. You know, yeah. just ignore. Why do I care, actually? Mike Tyson said something. I was just telling you that recently, right? What? Why do you care? I don't get fucking chirped in public. No, I'm, I'm saying, remember in Israel, someone came up to you and they were talking shit? When? Oh, you were probably hammered. Well, let's run. <laughs> let's run by drunk it. In the Holy those Grumman kids. Those Grumman kids. We just went to well, Israel. No, this was in Tel Aviv, not Jerusalem. This was not yeah. in Jerusalem. Yeah, I would say Tel Aviv's not the Holy Land. Yeah, no, this was in Tel Aviv. <laughs> Sub holy, <laughs> but Jerusalem is. Yeah, no, yeah. I would never do that. 
Yeah. Not in the Holy Land. We're yeah. doing like, we do a lot of, we have another channel where we travel and stuff and do like a vlog. We just went to Russia recently. After the war started? Like, when was it? A month ago? Yeah, it was a, two months ago. Month you were ago. in Russia two months ago. Two months ago. Well, that takes balls. We went to, to the south, Dagestan. No way. So it's where those, I don't know if you know the fighter Khabib. You yeah, know him? Yeah, yeah, that's where they're from. So we went there to visit them. How hard was it to get in? They questioned us a lot. I guess to the, the area that we went to, it's not like Moscow where maybe some people travel to. This area was like, they said a North American only goes there like once every six months. Oh, I want to, now I'm envious. You guys. So really they thought that? we were like, they you... legit thought we were spies. They held us for like two hours in like a room with like two beds and shit. No way. And then we had to call like Khabib's manager and then they came to get us How at the airport. How you? 28. That's so cool. <laughs> but oh. everyone told us not to go, obviously, right? But we knew we were with good people. So after that, it was, it was all good, but. Oh, I want to go. It was pretty cool. I've never been there. You, know? well, you feel it though. It is it is really scary. Like there's like military checkpoints. Oh yeah. And like it's it's serious. But you should would you go. have gone with him or no? I can't go to Russia. I think I honestly think I would be arrested. Yeah, they'd yeah. get you. Which is outrageous because I'm a journalist and I've been all over the world. I feel like I've been everywhere except Russia. And Russia is a combatant in a war that's changing the world. And like, I should go see it. Mm -hmm. And, but if I, and I was planning on it and I got stopped by the U.S. government from doing it. And I was. Well, you were going to go? Of course. And then go, what were you going to do? Interview Putin. Why wouldn't you I? You had it set up? I was working on it and they Damn. broke into my text messages. The NSA broke into my signal account, which I didn't know they could do. Oh, so Signal's not even safe. Oh, God, Signal no, is not, not safe sa anywhere, not huh? Safe. Oh, Signal fuck. is not safe. I know, people think WhatsApp's safe. No. It's like, man. WhatsApp? No. WhatsApp is not, you know what's safe? And ask any mafia don. Park your car in front of the liquor store, leave your phone in the vehicle, in your Caprice Classic, and walk out behind the liquor store in the vacant lot back there with the winos to talk to the person you want to talk to. How many to. times have you done that? Zero. Okay. Because I'm like lazy. <laughs> I'm like, Rrr! and I'm actually, I always say to myself, you know, I'm not hiding anything. I don't have a secret life. I'm pretty upfront uh, and some people like it and some people don't, of course, but um, I'm not hiding anything, but I was definitely hiding my plan to go interview Putin just because it's an interview. So, no so how did that happen? Business. How, did, yeah. how do you know the NSA broke into your signal? Because well, they admitted it. Really? Oh, yeah. Like, can you tell us about that? Like, how did you find out? I got a call from somebody in Washington who's who would know, just trust me, who, uh, so I, I went up there for another reason, but this person said, you know, are you going to come to Washington anytime soon? This was a year and a half ago, and I was like, yeah, actually, I'm going to be up in a week. Meet me Sunday morning. So weird. Like, who does that? Just text me. You know what I mean? Just yeah. text me. No. So I go, and this person's like, and this is someone who would know, um, are you planning a trip to go see Putin? This was the summer before the war started. And I was like, how would you know that? I haven't told anybody. I mean, anybody, not my brother, not my wife, nobody. And just because, you know, it's one of a million things you're working on. And but that was one of them. I want to go interview. Why wouldn't I want to interview Putin? Of course. I want to interview G. I want to interview everybody. Yeah. Right. That's kind of my job. We want to get Kim Jong-un on. Well, here of one course. Day. Of course. We met him. You did? Yep. Oh, we got to talk about that. Yeah. After, but Super this. interesting. But anyway. Holy shit. Um, how would you know that? Because NSA pulled your text with this other person you were texting. How did you know that? And so I immediately, I was intimidated. I'm embarrassed to admit, but I was. I was completely freaked out by it. I called a U.S. senator who I know, not that well, but it seems like a trustworthy person. And I told him a story. I said, I just want to tell you this. 
And then I went on TV on Monday and I'm like, this happened. And so they had, you know, in Congress asked NSA and NSA is like, yes, we did this. But for good reason, what would be a good reason to read my, you know, what? But the head of NSA, it's fine. It gets because everyone's in on it. Republicans and Democrats are all in on it. And by it, I mean the assumption there's no privacy whatsoever, that they have a right to know everything you're saying and thinking. That shit's scary. And that's just not a right as far as I'm concerned. By the way, if you have no privacy, you have no freedom. Freedom is predicated on privacy. It's like none of your business. You don't even think about that. Like they can just go through your phone and find everything. Well, they did it to me, so I know that for a fact. And But again, if you have no privacy, you have no freedom. Yeah. How about this? It's none of your business. If that's not a good enough answer, then you are a slave. Has that changed the way you communicate now? You know, not really, because I'm just, I've got, too, you know, I feel like I have too much to do and I'm communicating with all these people and and I'm not like committing any crimes. I, like an idiot, I pay all my taxes and I do all the stupid things. <laughs> I have a driver's license and like all the dumb little <laughs> things you have to do as an American citizen, all of which are just like obedience challenges. They really are like, jump through the hoop, doggy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. But I do them all because I'm afraid not to. So I'm like, you know, law law abiding, though in my heart I'm not. I can tell you that. I can tell That's you that. So but I do obey the law. So I'm like, whatever. And but now I can't go to Russia. Anyway, this is a long sidebar that detracts from my admiration of you guys for doing that. That's ballsy. Did were you worried about getting grabbed by the State Department when you came back? No. Not really. I was more worried about just going in there. But when we got through the customs, I knew we were going to be good because we were with kind of like Russian royalty, like Khabib. And those guys were like, you know, they're like pretty plugged up there. So I knew we were going to be in safe hands. Were they cool guys? Yeah, really cool. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons I want to go because I think it's a different culture. But if we weren't with them, we would have got fucked. Oh, yeah. We went through a checkpoint and like they asked for our passports and they're literally like, oh, Americans. And then like when they saw that we were with them, they're like, okay. But it was like fucked, and That's we went through that part Chechnya, right? You know about that the, oh, go- the governor. Yeah. <laughs> he's like possibly known for like killing like hundreds of gay people and oh like, and eating them. Oh yeah. yeah, he's a polygamist. They're like crazy, but there. it tells you a lot. I mean, the Russian army is very large, almost a million men, and they had a lot of trouble subduing the Chechens. A lot, a lot. I mean, the the fighting in Grozny was like. I mean, the Chechens are whatever you think of them. I'm agnostic, but very tough for real. I want to go there. I want to see Bro, it. Bro, it's crazy. It's one of the craziest things we because did. Because it's not a knockoff America like everything else is. Yeah. And like a lot of people there, like they didn't want to say it publicly, but they probably don't obviously agree, even agree with, with what's going on. So yeah. like people, we were getting flack, like, oh, what the fuck? You're going to support Russia. And we're like, dude, we're just going to see people going there. Just because like Russia. Yeah. It's yeah. like, why wouldn't you want all the information you can get? I know. And by the way, if you're a, an adult citizen, why don't you have the right to all the information you can get? Like, when did we give that up? First of all, I can like or dislike anyone I want, okay? I'm 53. I've earned that right. I can like anyone I want. That is not a crime. My opinions are not a crime. They never can be a crime in a free country. A. B, I have a right to all the information I need to make an informed decision about whatever the issue is. That's democracy, right? If they're like, oh, you're not allowed to know that. Really? Why am I not? Because I might arrive at a conclusion that's different from the lies you're telling me. Actually, I want that information. Yeah. Fuck you.
What do you think about this whole like World War Three, quote unquote, well, situation that's kind of going well, on? It's coming. And we're like standing there. There's this in defensive driving. If you if you take like a defensive driving course or whatever, the first thing they will teach you and they'll keep teaching it to you is if you don't want to hit something, don't look at it. Because, and this is like widely studied, you know, people in like horrible car, you know, you run into a tree. How'd you run into a tree? Cause you were staring at the tree. I feel like we're staring at this like conflagration, this like worldwide, this world war three. We're just like, yes, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's like a train coming toward us. And everyone's hypnotized. Like what? No, Russia invaded Eastern Ukraine. That's bad. I'm against anybody invading any, you know, whatever. I'm against that. Right. I'm for borders. But that's not bad enough to justify a nuclear war. It's just not. I don't care what you say. And if you think that's enough to justify a nuclear war, you're insane. Mm-hmm. And you should not have power. I don't want my children to die in the, like, what? You're playing these incredibly high stakes games with the country that has the most nuclear armed missiles in the world. Also, you're an idiot. And you're also like 80 years old. So you have got no kind of future ahead of you. You don't care what happens because you've reached the end of your natural life. You're exactly the person who should not be in charge right now. And that's exactly who is in charge. And so, yeah, I'm completely freaked out by it. And I'm hardly like a peacenik or something at all. When I'm bored, I just YouTube like US China for the last like three months. And I just see like how much they're like militarizing that area. Like I saw this video where like the US... Uh, planes are so close to the Chinese planes and yeah. like they can literally see the Chinese pilot and like yeah. the Chinese fighter will be like head south right now you're going to be intercepted and they said that goes on like every day see this is the problem with being American and that Canadians don't have Canada is not the most powerful country in the world so Canadians feel an obligation to know what is going on in the rest of the world yeah but America has been the most powerful country in the world since 1918 so that's you know over 100 years and Americans are just trained not to care at all and they should care, both because we're no longer the most powerful country in the world and also because the rest of the world really matters. And it's super interesting. The U.S. Just, is not no more? No. What is China? Look, without being boring, but the whole point of American foreign policy for like 100 years was don't let the other great powers align against us. In other words, you're in a bar, you know, you hit on some guy's girlfriend. I'm going to punch you out. You're thinking, can I beat this guy? Yeah, probably. But if like two of his mm. friends have equal size show up, you're not going to win. They're going to jump you yep. and you're going to lose and you're going to get your ass kicked. So the point of American foreign policy and diplomacy was to prevent that from happening. So you have this big power, Russia, which is the world's largest landmass with the world's largest reserve of energy, natural gas, and the world's largest nuclear arsenal. And then you have this other country, China, which is the world's largest population, 1.3 billion, the world's largest economy. And each one of those is potentially pretty formidable. But if they get together, the world's largest population, the world's largest landmass, Largest economy, large energy reserves together in a block against you. No, you're no longer the most powerful. You're taking orders from them. And that's pretty much what's. It's what's happened because of the stupid border war in Eastern Europe that like we didn't actually have to pay that much attention to. Yeah, we're against it. You issue a statement. I can't believe you rolled over the border into Eastern Ukraine. Like that's bad. And we're officially against that. And I would say I'm very against that. Okay, not defending Russia. But like, is that worth reshuffling the global deck and putting Russia and China on the same side in an alliance that controls the majority of the world's economy and its shipping routes and its currency? Are you fucking kidding? Were you on drugs?
No, that's nuts. So when all this hallucination finally evaporates and we like wake up to the real world, we're going to realize that Russia, Canada, UK, New Zealand, Australia, like all this coalition that we thought we were part of and in charge of and all that stuff is weaker than this new block, which is China, Russia, Turkey, and then all these other states. Like, what's Malaysia? Turkey's with do? U.S., aren't they? Well, f- no. Oh, I thought and they so were. And so then you have all these other countries. So it's not just about the biggest countries. It's about, like, what about Saudi Arabia, which mm-hmm. was controlled by the United States through Aramco for 100 years? Well, they're like, no, no, we're independent now. We could go either way. Why are we on America's side? So all of a sudden you have the world's largest oil reserves siding with the other side. Like, you could find yourself very quickly, and we are going to find it's ourselves. It's fucking scary, it's, bro. Dude, dude. And everyone's like, and the childishness of the analysis, it's like, are you for Russia? <laughs> Putin's bad. Yeah, he's bad. Everybody's bad. They're all bad. Yeah. I've interviewed a bunch of world leaders. One thing I can say about them all, bad. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to babysit my kids. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, bad. okay, world leader is bad. He killed people. Yeah, world leaders, that, that's what they do. So it's not about whether this guy, but that's the level of the conversation. Are you for Putin? <laughs> you're an idiot. God, I can't believe you have power. Like, you're an idiot. The Secretary of State lecturing me about how Putin's bad? Okay, he's bad. Yeah. Do you feel better now? Like, what does it have to do with anything? Right. What? Tell us about your- uh, Your child. <laughs> I want to ask though, what, what do you think the US has to do then right now? Force of peace. We control, Ukraine is not, an independent country. It's a client state of the United States. We are literally paying for the retirement of its government employees. We're funding their pension fund. So like, there's nothing about Ukraine that we don't control, okay? We do not control Russia, unfortunately. So you say to the Ukrainians, we're just gonna have to figure this out. No, you can't have Crimea. What? It's, it's a Russian port and you can't have that. You didn't have it before, you don't get it now. And maybe you get some of your land back, maybe the parts that are majority Russian speaking, ethnic Russian, you don't get back, but like you don't get everything in this world, but they're destroying your cities and killing your population over a hundred thousand dead. And we're going to force a peace right now. And Russia wants that. That's what I saw that was shocking was I didn't realize how many people have died. Of course, because like I think, I think in like 18 years and with Iraq, it was 300,000 people. Yeah. This has been like what a year and it's like a hundred thousand. It's insane. It's like I feel like you don't hear about but that. But nobody that much, cares. So. And what's so That's interesting like is these ghouls, the people who are pushing this war, and a ton of Republicans, to their eternal shame, are doing this as well. They frame the conversation as this black-white moral binary. You're on the side of good or you're on the side of evil. Well, first of all, son, if you've ever left our borders, you know that no war is a fight of good versus evil. It's a fight between bad and worse. Like that, those are the choices you get because this is not heaven, it's mm-hmm. earth. Okay. Mm-hmm. So shut up, son. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. That's the first thing. Second thing is because they never stop with the this is Winston Churchill versus Hitler, the good versus bad, the black versus white, they're able to cover their complicity in the deaths of all these children and non-combatants, the civilian population of Ukraine. And by the way, all the Russians who've died. Like, you can't say that some 23-year-old corporal in the Russian army is responsible for the invasion of Ukraine, but he died anyway. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what war is. I've covered war. Like, that's what it actually is. So you see the Secretary of State has got to have an IQ of 75. Tony Blinken, serving as senile president, jumping up and down about how they're on the side of God. And no one asks, like, what does it actually look like? And of course, you can't go there to see it. 
you know, whatever. It's whatever. All wars are like this. They always do this. But this one matters because it's reshuffling global power in a way that's really bad. And no person can say, like, I don't think we should fight a war against China. I definitely don't think we should fight a war against Russia. But you can't say the world is going to be a better place when China and Russia control the majority of it. You just can't say that. I'm sorry. You just can't. No, you can't. And yet they're making that a dead certainty. Wow. Well, Trump, I saw Trump said he could close that uh, in 24 hours if he wanted to. Do you think he could? I have no idea. I mean, he couldn't build a border wall in four years. So, you know, um, there is a gap between promises and delivery with all politicians, very much including him. But I will say in Trump's defense, and maybe because he's a little bit autistic, he saw <laughs> the stakes of this like at the very beginning. He's like, you don't want and this is what I do love about Trump, particularly in foreign policy. He sees the big stuff. He's like, wait, you've got Russia and China. They don't trust each other. We can't let them get together. They'll kick our ass and we'll be we're not, we're not going to fight a war against them. One hopes, but we'll definitely be taking orders from them. Definitely. Mm-hmm. No. And he said that five years ago when everyone's like, shut up, racist. <laughs> okay. He's a racist. But is he wrong? Like, what? why don't you address the question? Shut up, racist. Okay. All right, all right, all right. He's a racist. All right. Got it. But he says, if we start a war by proxy against Russia, Russia will align with China and we'll be fucked. Like, how do you, do you think that's true or not? Shut up. I mean, they would never address it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, whatever you think of Trump, these people are speaking in bad faith. They're stupid. They're also the ones who got us into the Iraq war to no benefit to anybody. Kill Saddam. Everything will be better. Really? I was there when Saddam was captured. I was in Baghdad that day. What? Yeah. In December of 2003, I was a journalist. I was in Baghdad. I mean, every journalist was in Baghdad. And they were like, you know, we captured Saddam and Tikrit. I'll never forget it. I was having breakfast at the Baghdad hotel. And they're like, we captured Saddam and Tikrit. What's breakfast like there? It's probably garbage. Very bad, dude. Very bad. It's like a Marlboro red and powdered eggs. That was it. And I supplemented that with Snickers bars, as I always do. When you're traveling in a sketchy country, I cannot recommend more carbs. You guys are obviously not carbs people. I am. But I especially am when I'm abroad. Like if the water's bad or whatever, you stick to Snickers bars or Mars bars, which they're called abroad, and rice Mm. and bread. And bottled water. And Zen bombers. You can't be without Zen, dude. Yeah. I was smoking at the time, so it was Marlboro. But anyway, the point is they're like, we captured Saddam. He's bad. And I guess Saddam was bad. Was he worse than what came after him? No. <laughs> no. No. He was better. He was way better for all of his many demonstrated faults. And the last thing I'll say is Americans, because they live in such a peaceful, happy country, whose power is unquestioned, they have no imagination for how things can get worse. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What was Baghdad like? Baghdad, I like every place I've ever been. I'm just easily charmed. I'm very shallow. So, and I like almost all people I've ever <laughs> met. I just, I'm, I have a really easy time liking people and things. So, like, after this interview, I'll be like, those are great guys. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I have no idea if you really are, but I will tell everyone that you are. And But Baghdad is one of the only places I've ever been where the longer I spent there, I was like, this place kind of does suck. It's a dump, eh? It's just a dump. Yeah. It's just a dump. And it's like, it was the center of civilization. It was the the seat of the biggest empire in the ancient world. And um, the Tigris and the Euphrates and all this stuff. And you're just, you go there and you're like, something went really wrong. Mm -hmm. Every man, when I was there, 
smoked Marlboros and had a porn star mustache. Every single man. It was like a uniform. It was crazy. They all had the little porn star stash. And they, I remember being in an elevator in some building where the lights were out in the elevator. And there were like eight people in the elevator. And every single one of them was smoking a cigarette as the elevator descended. And you could just see like the cherries burning. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Did anything so sketchy happen there while you were there? Oh, yeah. Like oh, what? big time. To me? Well, a lot of sketchy things happen to the country, but a lot of... Th- oh No, for- like personal experiences. Oh, yeah. What Can you tell us one? I wrote about it at length. Um, yeah, I was standing on the... I was staying in a house with these security contractors outside the green zone in downtown Baghdad, sort of nice neighborhood. And I was having a cigarette and operating a satellite phone. I don't even know if they still exist, but you had to use them outside so they could point at the sky to the satellite. It's kind of primitive technology, but this was 2003. And I called my wife in Washington and we had four kids and I'll never forget it. She was driving the dog to the vet. Because the dog had like impacted glands. I don't know if you have dogs, but dogs have something called glands. I've never been interested enough to find out more about them. But they're repulsive and like liquid comes out of them and they get, quote, impacted. So anyway, my dog, my wife's dealing with this and she's like, I'm going to that. All of a sudden I hear this gunfire. And I'm like, I'm standing there smoking a cigarette, talking around the sat phone on this flat roof. And all of a sudden I realized someone's shooting at the building I'm in, at the house I'm in. And I'm like, whoa. (laughs) <laughs> whoa so um i did not expect that because i just never expect anything bad's gonna happen oh, yeah like yeah there's a fighting going on but it's not gonna like affect me yeah mm. i work for cnn like back off and um so i jumped out i was like i'll call you back and these people start shooting at our house and the guys will start shooting back it was it was insane holy shit it what'd was what'd it, you do you just run into the house and hide or no i went down i was staying in a room it wasn't that big a house i was staying in a room with a buddy of mine called Kelly McCann, who's still a friend of mine, former Marine officer, great, great guy. He was dead asleep. And I was like, dude, and the house was filled with cordite, you know, the, the smoke mm-hmm. from yeah, yeah. guns. And uh, I was like completely freaked out. Like I was, I was completely freaked out. Well, yeah. But I was trying not to be a pussy. I was like trying to be like, hey, I kill you. Bam, 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 bam. He's like, oh, dude, he lights a cigarette. He's like, all right, all right, all right. He's like trying to wake up. We put on our vests. We had guns. And um, did you I, fire? No, or no, I didn't. Uh, and I was glad not. I actually hunt a lot. Yeah. yeah. And um, have had guns my whole life, but I have a lot of guns, but I have zero interest in shooting at somebody, mm. and particularly if you can't see them. Yeah. It was dark. It was like midnight. Oh, so this like firefight ensues. Bam, 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 people firing out, firing out the window. All of a sudden they go away like half an hour later. <laughs> One of the guys who I had dinner with last week here, which is so weird. Such a wonderful person um, called Bill Frost, who's now chapter president of the Oceanside Hells Angels in California. But at the time, he was a former Marine Force Recon uh, enlisted guy. Anyway, he goes, they're coming inside the house. I'll never forget that. (laughs) Anyway, um, it was for me, it was very, very high drama, very high drama, more drama than I want in my life. And uh, but anyway, the bottom line is when it finally ended, and they went away. And I mean, there must have been a thousand seven point six two by thirty nine. You know, the AK forty seven round it was pretty pretty sporty round, right? I mean, it'll go a mile. It'll go through walls. There must have been a thousand rounds expended in that time that this took place. And my buddy is like, you know, those if you fire an AK forty seven at some crappy house, it'll go right through the wall and like kill someone. I'm in the just trying room. to picture like how you were actually in this situation. Like well, if I you wasn't were in like this, this situation, I was there doing a story. I worked for CNN. That's fucking insane. And I took time off from my job hosting a show called Crossfire to do a story for Esquire magazine 
on what was happening in Iraq. And a guy I knew and really liked to have been killed in Baghdad during the invasion in March. And I wanted to go see where he died. And I, and I wanted to see what was happening. So I went and I, to write this piece, write a magazine piece for Esquire, which was then a real magazine. And now it's this kind of weird, self-hating, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm a man. Yeah. In this moment where you're just thinking like, why the fuck do I do this? Well, I wasn't planning on doing anything really. I just like, I thought, because the US military had invaded in March and secured the country. That was the mind blower for me. And that changed my view of the world forever from then until 20 years later to this day. The US government's like, we have it under control and I'm an American and I'm like 34 at the time. I've lived in this country my whole life and I'm like, the US government's in charge. Like they're in control. The US military's there. Like it's cool. You know, it's going to be like downtown Annapolis, Maryland at this point. Mm-hmm. The US military's there, dude. Yeah. I'm glad you weren't with any Canadians. I, you know, I never saw any Canadians there. In the house. That probably would have been bad, though. They probably would have left quick. They, yeah. Uh, I don't know. My imp- Actually, no bullshit. My, can- my impression is, I remember this at the time, Canadians are pretty tough. Yeah. They had. Don't dis- okay, you're switching up right now. You're switching up right now. No, 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 no. You're completely I'm, switching up. I'm just. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, I think there are men in Canada. I think they're in hiding. <laughs> okay. Um, but anyway, I think there were some in Baghdad at the time. But I was just blown away. I thought this is totally under control. So what blew me away was the next day, this whole neighborhood we're in, not just our house, and all these bullet holes in it, but all all the other houses had bullet holes in them. And I was like, well, someone from, you know, the U.S. Army is going to come and investigate because there was like a massive firefight on our street last night. No one came. No one cared. It was. And, and that's they just I, left. The people left. I never knew who they were. And so at the time, this is so weird even to say it now, but the State Department was running Iraq. I don't know why it was the State Department, but they were. And the requirement was if you were there, including as a journalist, you had to get a an automatic weapons. You're supposed to carry a weapon, an AK-47, which I was not into at all. Wow. Actually had an AK-47 at home for like the range for fun, but I don't want to carry a gun yeah. in a war zone. Like that's, I'm, that's not, I'm, I'm a talk show host, dude. That's not what I do. But they're like, no, you have to, and you have to qualify. So we had to go to a range, a, a, a Rocky police range to qualify and get this badge from the U.S. State Department saying, I've qualified with an automatic weapon. Wow. And you had to wear it around your neck. I still have the badge. It's hanging in my office. Did everybody qualify? Or were there people that are like, dude, you can't, you can't carry an AK? No, it was like the, requ- I mean, again, I shot a lot of rifles in my life, but the qualification, as far as I remember, was like, just point at these sandbags and see if you can hit a target. Wow, that's wild. And it's not a super accurate rifle anyway. I mean, right. it's like very much a primitive villager type rifle designed to be operated by illiterates, honestly. So it's not that hard. You just push the slide down, you know, rack the bolt, push the slide down and pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. not too well. Anyway, it was like, here's the point though. It was just, it was not under control. It was not under control. And, and I lived in Washington, D.C., where, you know, you'd see press briefings at the cap at the White House and they'd be like, some general would be like, we passed fight Iraq, we got it totally under control. And I, I believed all of that. It's like, yeah, it's the US government, man. And then you go there and you're like, you don't control anything. This is completely nuts. There are no rules of engagement. The guys I was with were not US government employees, they were contractors. And their rules of engagement were completely unclear. Like if someone hassles you, can you kill them or not? I don't know, use your best judgment. They were like making this shit up. And I, I was... I know it sounds naive and really silly at this point, 20 years later, but at the time, that changed my life. I could not believe that the U.S. government did such a bad job. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, we're just not a good colonial power. Yeah. At all. We're not good at this. We should not ever do this again because it's not our skill set. Mm-hmm. That is crazy. It well, was. One thing I want to ask you, and 
it's just kind of backtracking, but going off like with the Andrew Tate shit, uh, immediately upon his arrest, everybody starts talking about what about Jeffrey Epstein? And you've mentioned him a couple times. Why do you think like there is no more info on that? It's just been brushed under the rug. Like, I don't know. What do you think? Well, they don't want to expose people, but I mean, why is like, why can't we talk about it? Why are people so afraid? Like it's not allowed. Um, look, I don't, I, I mean, weirdly, I, I know a lot of people who are in just because of my age and just having been in the media for 30 years, I know a lot of the people who are in his orbit and who knew him really well. So I'll tell you what I know. It's, I just had a lunch about this on Friday. It was really interesting. Um, with one of his closest friends. Here's what we know. I think there were $6 million, $600 million recovered in cash and assets in his estate. I think that's the right number. It may have been 700, hundreds of millions. And that was what, four years ago that he died? They do not know now, like an army of forensic accountants, where that money came from. And I said to him, my friend has direct knowledge of this. So I said to him, like, how can you not know where hundreds of millions of dollars came from? They just don't know. They've had four years to figure it out and trace the wire transfer. No, no idea. 600 million? Yes. And that's of the recovered assets. So that's the value of his real estate and his cash and his equities or whatever. There is a belief, and my friend shares it, that there's at least as much that will never be recovered, that it's just hidden. So I'm a very conventional person. I work for a salary. I don't know that much about money. I I was like, how can that even be? He's like, no, that's totally possible. Well, we know it's possible because it happened. So we don't know where he made his money. He, He was not running a hedge fund. That's not true. He executed like no trades. He was not a finance guy. So where'd all that money come from? Unknown. The second thing we know for a fact is that he was killed in federal custody. He was Mm. murdered. That's true. And if you look into it, as I did, I spent a week looking into it because his brother, Mark, reached out to me. And again, I know nothing else. Like, I don't know what Jeffrey Epstein was doing. I don't know. There's I've never seen any tapes. Like, I don't know anything. So the two things I know, we don't know where the money came from. We don't know what he did for a living. And we know that he was murdered. He was murdered in the special housing unit of federal lockup in Manhattan. How do we know he was murdered? Oh, well, look into it, dude. We did a whole segment on it on my show. Nobody cared. Um, I'm going to watch it after. You should. It's it's beyond belief. And I'm very skeptical of any kind of conspiracy theory or whatever. Why don't more people go after this, though? We know that he was murdered because, well, for one thing, a friend of mine is one of the people who last talked to him on the phone the day he was killed. And he had a expectation of a bail hearing in two days. He thought he was getting out. He was not despondent at all. I talked to his lawyer, told me the same thing. They moved someone out of his cell. They put two people, one of whom was not even a full-time prison guard, on duty. None of the cameras trained on the cell worked. They were all out of it that night. They locked the front of the special housing unit that had eight cells in it, but then they opened all the cells inside. So who was it? So I asked a really simple question, the Bureau of Prisons. Who were the other? So there are eight cells, 16 minus his cell because he was alone. So that means there are 14 other inmates there that night. What are their names? Where'd they go? Some of them are transferred out right after. Who were these people? Can't tell you that. Really? You can't tell me that? Well, on the basis of what? Because some inmate at a federal prison's privacy concerns like Trump telling, what are you even talking about? Meanwhile, the Attorney General of the United States under Trump, Bill Barr, issues a statement being like, no, you know, it's totally... Bill Barr lied. There's no question that Bill Barr well, he clearly suspected Epstein was murdered, but stopped the investigation into it. I went and read Bill Barr's book in which he explains all this, and it's like complete bullshit and transparent bullshit. So I have no idea why the Attorney General of the United States would be lying about this, but there's literally no question 
that he did. I know him. So we, Bill Barr is a super nice guy. We reach out to Bill Barr like, hey, why don't you come on and explain why you lied about Jeffrey Epstein's death? Uh, no. So uh, I don't want to overstate what I know. I'm just telling you what I do know. Mm-hmm. He was killed. Yeah. Wow. By whom? No idea. We could guess. But as my friend said, I said to my friend on Friday, actually, who do you think killed Epstein? And he goes, the list of people who wanted to kill Epstein was so long. <laughs> like, it could be anybody. Wow. But whoever did it, here's the one thing I'll say. Whoever did it was able to do it in the most secure lockdown in the United States of America yeah. and then get away with it. So I was interviewing all these people like, will you come on the show and talk about it? No. Why? And one of them said to me, whoever killed Epstein clearly has a lot of power. <laughs> I mean, like if I said to you, I want you to kill this guy in the special housing unit, federal lockup in Manhattan. You got to like, have some. Pull. You'd be like, I'd love to kill him. But like, how do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It'd right. be pretty hard to pull that off. Well, someone pulled it off. So that tells you a lot about that. Whoever that group of people was, mm. they're no one to fuck with. That's crazy. What do you think? What's one of your favorite topics you've ever covered or something that you just got so obsessed with? Well, UFOs for sure. Yeah, let's talk some aliens. Because UFOs- Why UFOs and, and when? I'll tell you why. It's actually the same reason I was interested in Epstein because I'm like a completely conventional person. Like I worked at CNN. I spent a season doing commentary and analysis for Good Morning America. <laughs> I lived in Washington from the age of 15. My dad worked for the federal government. Like I am not an outsider, like yeah. believing that fluoride is- causing brain damage, whatever. Like I've never believed in a conspiracy theory my entire life. I lived in Washington and it was only in the past five years when all this evidence would, but I'm curious, all this evidence would emerge. And I'd be like, well, that doesn't, that's not true. It doesn't seem true to me. Like I can, I don't know what the truth is, but I can tell when someone's lying. It's like my one gift. And I would see these people lying and I'd be like, why are they lying? Like I know they're lying, but why? And so I really came to this, like at the age of 50, like that's, you're almost dead when you're 50. Like that's very late. To what, come. what was it that made you? Well, UFOs. Like I never for a second thought you UFOs. Well, what changed your attitude at 50? The evidence. Which is what? Well, we, we, well, oh my gosh. Or, at this like point. The, well, at this point, it's kind of come out actually. Uh-huh. Um, the federal, the Pentagon was required by the last defense authorization bill to like produce some of their files on UFOs. And it turns out they have known about this since the end of the Second World War, which ended in 1945 been a huge increase during that war during the war as well huge increase in ufo sightings in ufo crashes etc etc and it turns out the federal government has been tracking this for 80 years and lying about it so why well that's a great question i can't answer it i have theories but i don't know but here's what i learned just to the first question is is this real or am i just being a crazy person who's spending too much time on the internet well this summer we got a call. We didn't reach out. This person called us. Lexi, who's standing right there, who's a genius, one of our producers, gets his call from this guy who's a tenured Stanford medical school professor, and he wants to come on the show. Now, this guy has a couple patents, and so he's rich, and he's got tenure at one of the most prestigious schools in the world. So, like, he's not a flake. He comes on, and he's like, 11 years ago, the U.S. government reached out to me because I'm an expert on head injuries, on brain injuries, traumatic brain injuries as a physician. And they had all these court cases from families of U.S. servicemen, over 100, who'd been killed by UFOs. And the Department of Defense was refusing to give them death benefits or medical benefits. And I'm like, and he's like, so they're in the courts. And I was like, there are over 100 servicemen killed by UFOs? Like, what? 
He's like, yeah. And there are court cases about it. I'm like, why isn't this on the front page of the New York Times? I don't know. But he goes, I'm involved in it. I'm the, you know, I'm one of the researchers. I'm the expert witness in these cases. Holy shit. What does that mean? And he's like, for example, uh, UFOs appear to be attracted for whatever reason to nuclear energy. So at nuclear missile bases in the upper Midwest, for example, nuclear powered aircraft carriers, nuclear powered submarines are all getting buzzed by these objects, including underwater. And in a number of cases, these things have landed on military bases, including famously in Germany, in West Germany in the 70s. And servicemen have approached them like, what is this thing? There's this like giant glowing thing on the base. And they approach and they get traumatic brain injury. Like they are rendered. Yeah, yeah. They get brain damage or they're killed. And he studied their brains. And they have, this is all totally real. This is not, this is the Department of Defense, dude. And they've all had this damage from some kind of powerful energy that we cannot identify. So then this guy's like, wow, he's just a scientist. He never believed in UFOs. He's like, this is real. I cannot believe this is real. This is like crazy. He's supposed to do research on it. He's still at Stanford. And it turns out that actually, yes, these things have been shot down and crashed and the U.S. government has the wreckage and it's being held by defense contractors, Raytheon, Lockheed, which are big independent companies, but that work for the U.S. government. They're really part of the Department of Defense, but they're separate. So you can't, their sunshine laws don't apply to them. You can't actually get information from them. It's a very tricky way to hide information. And they have the wreckage from these crafts. Hmm. And I'm like, really? Are we positive these aren't like advanced Russian or Chinese? No, of course not. So is it more like the government or whatever is just this good at hiding it or people just don't care? Well, I think it's a combination of both. I think it's too big for people to metabolize. Like if Prince Harry says something stupid, everyone's like, I can't believe Prince Harry. Because like that's manageable. You can like, oh, this douchey fake prince with his stupid wife from Santa Monica. Like I get that. But the idea that we're not alone in the universe and we're getting buzzed by these objects whose behavior defies physics, like that just explodes too many categories in my head. I just can't deal with it. And I think that's part of it. But I'll tell you this, the most interesting from my perspective, I don't know if it's a consensus, but a lot of people, serious people, not crazy people who study this stuff, U.S. government employees, seem to believe that these objects are coming from under the oceans. So the conventional view is they're coming in from outer space. There's not actually a lot of, you know, something enters the atmosphere, we can see it on satellite, and there's not any evidence of that, actually. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's happening, but we don't know that it is. There's a lot of evidence these things are coming out of the ocean, including videotape, of these objects coming out of the water at high speed, or even more amazing, descending at Mach 3 into the water. And then, of course, we have a huge submarine fleet. What the fuck? Then we have a huge submarine fleet American, but also Chinese and Russian, uh, underwater with pretty sensitive measurement devices, sonar, et cetera. And they have recorded these objects doing hundreds of knots underwater. So let's just stop there. Wait, what's knots? Uh, It's 1.1 miles per hour. It's a way that we measure objects in the water. It's 1.1 miles. It's a little more than mile mile per hour. And a a mile is a measurement that we use in the United States. It's distinct from a kilometer, which I think is right. Yeah. Common in Canada. But anyway, (laughs) these things are moving at impossibly high speeds. So just like, let's just apply common sense for one second. If I take a 45 ACP, you know, a a 45 caliber handgun and fire it at you underwater in, say, a swimming pool 50 feet away, you can catch the bullet because the resistance is so strong from the water that objects can't move 
that fast underwater. We know that. But they are. And they're moving without any visible means of propulsion. So no wake, no bubbles. Where, where have we like tracked that All over speed. the world. All over the world. Really? Yes. On like sonar systems? Yes, from the submarines. And this has come out. Wow. Like some of this is in the New York Times. I'm not. That's crazy. It's not like you have to go on the dark web to find out. So what, is there like aliens are living in the Earth's core or some shit? I have no idea. I'd only be speculating. But there, there, there is, I want to restate, videotape of these objects of unknown origin hitting the water and disappearing and then coming out of the water. And by the way, there was just last week I spoke to a member of Congress about this who was on a military base in the state of Florida where they showed him images of four of these things that like a, a Raptor pilot, some American fighter pilot took these images of these objects right next to his plane. But here's the most interesting thing. They, they got a thermal read on him. You know, they measure heat. That's one of the ways that, you know, we get a heat imprint. Like if we have a, like a thermal optic, I can see the heat coming off your body. That's how we see things. At yeah, night. Yeah. The thermal imaging of this showed the heat at the bottom of the object and not at the top. And as the commanding general said to this member of Congress, he's like, that doesn't make any sense because heat does what? It rises. So you don't ever see a thermal image of anything with the heat at the bottom. The heat's at the top. It's cool at the top, hot at the bottom. How does that work? If you, if I put a cigarette lighter under my hand, where's the hot part? Yeah. yeah. Right. So he's like, as a matter of physics, that can't happen. So, to me, one of the most intriguing questions about all of this is, does physics actually describe the world around us? And no, not all of it anyway. So like, what the fuck is that? Like, if all of a sudden I'm saying like the laws of physics, like gravity, photosynthesis, like not all of that is real. Like it has limits and there are things that exist outside of it. That's when your brain starts to explode. I just wonder what would happen if something does come out more evidence does come out how the people would respond to we'll that. We'll ignore it. We'll ignore it. So my impression, I don't know this for a fact, but everyone I've ever talked to about it is like, one of the reasons they're nervous is that this shows, and the Russians and Chinese feel the same way, apparently, it shows that our military does not control our airspace, which is like a, a basic precept of a country. Like, this is our country. We control our borders. We control our airspace and our waters. And we don't. So that's really scary. And it shows that the military is not in control. So that's they don't want to admit that. And the second thing they're worried about is some kind of like mass freak out where people are like, I can't, aliens are here. But based on my limited experience, I don't think they should worry because people are so high and so caught up in Prince Harry <laughs> that like, I honestly think if an alien spacecraft landed in Times Square and started issuing orders, people would be like, wow, that's a trip, man. <laughs> and then like the next day, Daily Mail would be leading with Prince Harry again. Yeah. I do think that. Yeah. So what, what's your theory on aliens based on all the research you've done? Do you think they're already on Earth? I think that there's a huge amount of evidence in the archaeological record that these things have been around since the beginning of recorded history. The references to them. The star over Bethlehem may be one of them. I, I Here's what I really think. I think I don't know. And I think that in wise people understand the limits of their knowledge and of their perception and we should all just repeat after me, admit we have no fucking idea. Yeah, we have no idea. We have no fucking idea. We don't know who killed Jeffrey Epstein. We don't know what these objects are. We don't know if physics is actually real. Probably not. Like, we don't know anything. We don't know what happens when we die. Like, stop pretending. We don't know where the war in Ukraine is going. Stop pretending that we're God. We're not. 
and we can't, we don't know a lot. And I just wish our leaders would say that. I think it, I think they're coming from under the ocean. It seems the evidence suggests that, but what do I know? What would your encounter look like if you met an alien? I'd be super respectful. And <laughs> according, I mean, based on my conversation with this Stanford medical professor, I would, I would conduct that interview at a distance mm. because whatever is coming off these machines um, is very bad for the human body. You know, super, super killed people, like a bunch of people. Yeah. Fuck. By the way, last thing, how can something kill a U.S., an active duty U.S. serviceman or several of them? And like, that's not a story. Like, what is the what is wrong with the media? Was there any reason as to why they died? Yeah, they were. They were. What was, was the like, official was like reason? An EMP. Mm. Oh, aneurysm. They had a stroke, but their brains were fried. And the Department of Defense was screwing the families because they refused to acknowledge that they were killed by these objects, whatever they are. And that's, that was the whole point of the story. It's like these families are like, no, 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 my son or husband is dead. Yeah, but I'm just like, what? why has the New York Times never written that story in 50 years? Like, I've spent my whole life in the media. My dad was in the media. Like, that is a big part of the revelation that's changed my life is the media are part of the control apparatus. Like, there's no... Yeah, I know. I know. Because you're younger and smarter and you're like, yeah. Yeah. But what if you're me and you spent your whole life in that world and to look around and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow. Not only are they part of the problem, but I spent most of my life being part of the problem defending the Iraq war. Like I actually did that. Can you imagine if you did that? Well, what do you think? What is one of your biggest regrets in your career? Oh, defending the Iraq war. That is it? Well, I've had a million regrets not being more skeptical calling people names when I should have listened to what they were saying. Look, when you, when someone makes a claim, there's only one question that's important at the very beginning, which is, is the claim true or not? Mm. So I say, you know, you committed murder or you rigged the last election before you attack me as a crazy person for saying that maybe you should explain whether you did it or not. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And for too long, I participated in the, culture where I was like, anyone who thinks outside these pre-prescribed lanes is crazy, is a conspiracy theorist. And I just really regret that. I'm ashamed that I did that. And, and partly it was age, partly it was the world that I grew up in. So when you, when you look at me and you're like, yeah, of course they're part of the means of control. I'm like, that's obvious to you because you're 28, but I just didn't see it at all, at all. And I'm ashamed of that. Isn't that what the media tries to do though? It, it's their only purpose. Right. They're not here to inform you. Really? Even on the big things that really matter, like the economy and war and COVID and like things that really matter that will affect you. No, their job is not to inform you. They are working for the small group of people who actually run the world. They're their servants. They're their Praetorian guard. And we should treat them with maximum contempt because they have earned it. All right. If you were to get a drink with any personality from CNN after this, who would it be? I actually have one friend who's a personality at CNN, but I can't say this person's name because I'll wreck this person's career. Oh, well, Don Lamont, who's not a friend of mine. Um, Don Lamont is an international man of mystery. Don Lamont is the stupidest person who's ever had a TV show, but he is, a, and that's saying a lot, but he's also simultaneously got massive flair. Like, I just can't not like Don Lamont. I just, I can't help it. I just like him. I think he's hilarious. Nice. He's just a good dude. We, um, I think we helped out with your guys' documentary you guys did on the UFC and Dana we made White. made it possible. Really? We never would. 
we never would have gotten into Dana White world if it hadn't been for you guys. So oh, you. sweet. So did you did you see it yet or the documentary? Have I seen the doc? Is it done? Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, sweet. When does that come out? Uh, soon. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not in charge of the scheduling department. I literally don't know what I'm doing for dinner tonight, but I know that it is known mm-hmm. and knowable, and that's enough for I me. I feel like you have a lot of home cooked meals, though. <laughs> we you seem like home. that guy that eats at home with dinner with the family every night. Well, my kids are gone. Um, so yeah, we just had a, we have dinner parties. Nice. We're probably the last people in America to have a dinner party. And if you come to a dinner party at my house, there are only two possible answers to any question, which is yes, of course, or I'm sorry, we don't have that. I'm going to go get it. <laughs> like I, I really believe that people should be allowed. If you invite someone into your house, I don't want randoms in my house, but the people I do invite can do whatever they want when they're there. How do we get an invite to a dinner party? Dude, I, unfortunately I'm having dinner. I just realized with my cousin tonight. From San Francisco. Who you just I, said you didn't know what you were doing for dinner. Yeah, I, but I just Whoa, remembered. Liar. You're I a liar. Like, no, 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 I didn't Huge remember bust. it. Having dinner with my cousin Victoria, who's like an amazing person. And um, or I would say, Come to my house for dinner, dude. Last night, Sunday night's Mexican night, so we had we had a great, great time. Hell yeah. Well, thank awesome. you, Tucker. This was yeah, I think this amazing. is really good, bro. Thank I really you, guys. appreciate it. Guys, let us know what you think. I think this is one of our best episodes ever. Tucker, you're a legend. Tucker, legend. <laughs> very, very funny guy. Do you have like thank a vineyard you. vines code you want to plug? You shop there? I do not shop at Vineyard Vines. Let them know how much equity you have in Zen as well. I get my well shirts free from the Fox News wardrobe department. And so I have like, not to brag, but I, it's like the one perk of my job. I get free shirts. And I must have, how many of these do I have, Justin? About 30 of them. At least. I probably have 50. Just, I probably have 50 You just look like you should be on every frat composite I, I wear in the, the country. same clothes every day. I never change my clothes. I just have identical clothes. Same trousers, same shirt. I get a new belt every year for my son, and that's it. Same haircut. Same haircut, yeah, that cut, baby. You rock the frat swoop still. Legendary. <laughs> the frat swoop. I that's, what, that's, what I, that's what it's been called. It's a good. Right, I gotta get on social media, man. Dude, you need yeah. to. Wait, what? It, was you it, should do. You should do like reviews to stuff. Like how you? I, we were gonna talk about this. We don't have to get into it, but like you're reviewing Lori Lightfoot's TikToks. Like if you just did that, I know. people would be like, "Holy shit!" I'm so absorbed in this. We do a show five days a week, so I'm like it's so lot, absorbed right? in that. It is a lot. It's not a lot. You just have to like eliminate everything else from your life. Yeah, that's a lot. You do have a favorite nicotine product, though. Oh, we, yeah, talked, we, talked, all oh, we about talked about it. Zimbabwe. <laughs> Zin's got to give us a deal now. Yeah. Trust me. Have you tried for that? What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> they what said do no? you think? And by the way, we got the response we got. I think we've been officially ignored. They were a Swedish company. I am obviously Swedish. My name is Carlson. So I was like, just on like ethnic grounds, like I should have a deal with Zin. And then they sold to an American company. We have not been able to get their attention. And then the general feeling is that Zen is a sin. And so my ad campaign, which I've already written and produced in my head, is <laughs> Zen is not a sin. Zen is a life-saving medical product that enhances male vitality and mental acuity. Zen is like the hand of God reaching down and massaging your central nervous system. Zen is not a sin. So, wow. That's like a total winner, dude. That was good. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. right? Yeah. That's big. Zen, where are you at? All right. Thank, Thank you, guys. Bro. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it, bro. Thank you, guys. Thank awesome. You. Cool. Oh, this is so great. Thank you. Thank you. I loved it.